Well, good morning, everyone. Glad to see you. Um, I'm Pastor Allen. Um, I'm not a warm weather person, so <laughs> when I did my run yesterday, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was below 70 degrees. <laughs> but uh, we're glad that you're here. We're in a two, these last two weeks, the so last week and today, we're talking about life is better connected and uh, really important, and we sure this will be beneficial to you in uh, making your life better. So I'm, <clears throat> we often say it this way, circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. Now, if I was to say to you, this restaurant is better than this restaurant, which one are you going to? Or if I was going to say, this, uh, uh, this, this uh, park is nicer than this park, which park are you going to go to? Yeah. We, we, we gravitate toward better. Um, if we're convinced it's better. So my job this morning is to convince you Circles are better than rows. Circles meaning group life as opposed to uh, joint worship like we do here on Sunday morning. But I want to start with a question. Do you think you're a fairly observant person? You don't have to answer. Just, just think about that. I'm not. And one of the scariest things is when my wife comes to me and says, do you notice anything different? Ever been there, done that? You've already lost by the time she asked the question, right? Because you should have noticed. Um, kind of like a pop quiz in school. You get all tense and <laughs> nervous. And so there's no good answer. You know, I can guess. Hair, outfit, you know, one of those things. But you basically have to say, I'm sorry, I didn't notice. I'm stupid. I don't know how you put up with me. Um, Whatever, that's the best answer in those circumstances. So I wanted some, some participation here this morning. So I want to everybody on this side over here, stand up and look at the folks over here. Great looking group of guys and gals over here. Stand up, look over there. Don't yell out, but what do you observe from these group over here? <laughs> everybody here <a> smile. <laughs> okay, you all got something in your head? All right, so you sit down. And it's this side's turn. You guys, you folks, you stand up and look at this group over here. All right. Maybe you see a new person. We got some new people here this morning. That's great. Some of you don't know. Whatever. All right. Now sit down. All right. The obvious thing that we all noticed when we looked at other folks across the room is that everybody is sitting in rows. Correct? Well, a couple people in the back aren't. <laughs> We're all sitting in rows. Rows. <clears throat> Why rows? Uh, there's some practical things. We couldn't make a circle as big as the amount of folks is in here, so we can pack more people in when you sit in rows. I think preacher types like me like rows because everybody's looking at me. I'm the center of attention, right? And I actually get judged often by what happens on this hour on Sunday morning. You judge me by what I say. You judge me by how many people come to listen to what I have to say. <clears throat> but well, let me ask you, when you hear the word church, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Unfortunately, for most people, it's a building with a steeple on top. That's a church, right? That's not the definition of church, but that's what comes to people's minds. The second thing that probably comes to mind is something like this. People all sitting in rows, uh, staring at the front at some music people doing their thing or uh, a speaker doing his thing, right? But is that what church is supposed to be? Is that what church, how, how church started out? So we're going to kind of dig into this question a little bit. 
We're going to look at the early church in the book of Acts. That's the history of the early church. And we're going to skip down to chapter 5 first, and then we're going to go back to chapter 2. So every day in the temple, so that's kind of what we do here uh, in rows, and from house to house. So we got in the temple and house to house. They're described equally. They continue to teach and preach the message Jesus is the Messiah. So church happened in the temple in rows, and church happened house to house in circles. Now, I like rows. <laughs> Everybody sits here and listens to me for a half hour. That's amazing, right? I like rows, but I love circles. And let me tell you why. The early church exploded. They went from like 100 people to tens of thousands of people in a few years. The church had probably never seen that kind of growth any other time. <clears throat> so how did they worship? What did they, how did they spend their time? What did they do? Why are circles better than rows? I'm going to give you four or five reasons this morning. The first one is this. Spiritual growth happens better, I should have put that word in there, in circles than in rows. Hopefully spiritual growth happens here on Sunday morning. But spiritual growth happens better in circles. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. This is right after uh, preaching that, Peter preached that sermon, 3,000 souls got saved, so they jumped from, a, from 100 to 3,000 like that. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All right? So, what does that sound like? Does that sound like Sunday morning? Or does that sound more like group? Occasionally we eat together on Sunday morning. There's a little bit of fellowship that goes on. Some teaching, hopefully. Uh, hardly anybody prays except for me. I mean, out loud at least. So that sounds like me to group. That's what we do in group. Our group doesn't eat very often. <laughs> but most of your groups probably eat together. So spiritual growth is accelerated. In group life, um, it's not original with me, but I, I like this statement. Christianity is not a solo sport or solo act. A lot of sports going on now. There was a tennis match yesterday. Tennis is kind of a solo act, right? You, you, you win or lose by yourself. But, you know, baseball is going on, football is going on. Can you imagine trying to play football as a solo sport? This can't, doesn't work. You, you need other folks. If you're a runner or quarterback, you need folks blocking for you. It's a team effort, we would say. So I got to thinking about this. <clears throat> I started going to church when I was about 13. And no church experience before that. So church was all new to me. And of course we came, we were invited to a local Baptist church and we came and we sat, they call them pews. <laughs> you had to sit in rows and pews, you had much, no, no other choice, right? And so we started going and they told my mom, my dad didn't go at first, my mom, well, you should come to sun Sunday school and church worship in the morning, and then church training and worship in the evening, and prayer meeting on Wednesday. So my mother said, okay. <laughs> so that's what we started. We, no church to church three times a week, and multiple hours. <clears throat> now, my teenage years, what I remember of church has nothing to do with Rose. I remember one thing about Rose. In the church back then, if you wanted to 
tell people you wanted to step across the line and become a Jesus follower, you had to walk down the aisle and talk to the preacher up front. And I remember being scared to death to do that. And eventually I got enough guts up to do that. I don't think you have to do it that way, but that's the way they did it back then. That's all I remember. So what do I remember? I remember my Sunday school class. I'm 13 years old. I'm in this middle school boys Sunday school class. I remember my teacher's name, Mr. Daniels. And he would teach us the Bible. And I was all excited because most of the kids had been in church. They knew the stories. I didn't know the stories. And so we're sitting in, this, in rows and he's teaching us the stories. Then on Sunday evening at church training time, it was uh, boys and girls together. But that's where we did stuff together. And of course it became youth group and we did stuff outside. So I remember that. The only other thing I remember is craft time in Bible school. <laughs> I told the craft ladies the first service. I remember craft time in Bible school. Biggest impact on me was not sitting in rows as a teenager, but in group life. Your kids need group. But not only your kids need group, you and I need group life. So spiritual growth happens faster, better, whatever term you want to use, in group. Secondly, physical needs are met best in circles. Um, back, to, back to the early church, it said this, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything. Get that up there. Shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now this wasn't like a commune where everybody had to give everything to everybody else. No, 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 no. This was voluntary. So what would happen is there was a need and the group didn't have enough money. They would say, oh, I'll go sell this so we'll have need, money for this need. That's how it worked. Now, what's it look like today? We don't normally do it that way today. What do we do? Well, we had people in the hospital last week. Two people in the hospital. People went to visit them. People sent cards to them. Um, <clears throat> somebody may... Uh, the car may break down. You might want to help. Somebody needed a ride to an airport. Someone, uh, uh, we got a death, uh, a family member uh, died this week. And so people used often take food, uh, go to the viewing. And, uh, all these different ways, practical ways of helping people. Uh, need money for gas or need food or take food to people. All these different things. That is Christianity. That is being a Jesus follower. Not just sitting in Rows. Now let me, well, let me put the next statement up. Rows don't allow us to know. So look at the person down the row beside you or behind you or in front of you. How much do you know these are? If you're not in your group, you probably have no clue what their needs are, right? Because you don't know about needs sitting on sun, together on rows on Sunday morning. Now you have your card, you put something on your card, and we collect it afterwards, and, and that could get the process started. But in the rows, we don't know. We just don't know. Ask me about my small group. I know. Somewhat, whatever they'll share, with the folks in my small group. Because we sit facing each other and we share our lives together. So, physical needs are met best in group life. Thirdly, really a big deal, emotional support is given best in circles. Let's look at our Acts passage, they, the early church, worshiped together at temple and each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their 
meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Sounds like they're emotionally healthy. It sounds like they're uh, uh, doing well emotionally. Uh, When we're not, we're not having much joy and generosity when we're not doing well emotionally, are we? Now, this is not a church thing. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here. These principles will work. In fact, we're going to look at something that PBS put out. PBS is not Christian, right? PBS put out this documentary, this study. And it's funny, when, when, when uh, groups like this figure things out, I can imagine God up in heaven saying, I told you so. <laughs> Why don't you just listen to me? But anyway, let's, let's read this quote from this, uh, this PBS program. <clears throat> Researchers have found, now I'll read this, it's just like, duh. But anyway, researchers have found that people are happier when they're with other people than when they're alone. And that boost is the same for introverts and extroverts. For you who don't know me, I'm an introvert. People think introverts don't need other people. No, 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 no. We like people just as much as everybody else. We just don't like to talk as much as everybody else. All right? So we need other people just as much as extroverts. They are finding that happy people are more pleasant, helpful, and sociable. Boy, that's rocket science right there, isn't it? Happy people are more pleasant, helpful, and sociable. And then it goes on. So being around other people makes us feel happier. And when we're happier, more fun to be around. <laughs> Creating an upward spiral of happiness. Now, this comes from the Emotional Life, PBS. You can find it there. Um, I, like this, I like this phrase a lot, though. Upward spiral of happiness. Upward spiral of happiness. Happiness builds on itself. And that's what happens when we interact. We need each other. Uh, so happiness can build. And my, I can share my happiness with you, and you can share your happiness with me. On the flip side, depression is described as what? A downward spiral emotionally, right? So it's easy to get depressed by yourself. Not so easy in group. Um, so emotional needs are, uh, needs are, are, are met much better in, in group life than in rows. Uh, one more. Stri- spiritual transformation happens in circles. Better than in rows. Um, it's very rare for somebody to walk into a church, first time some preacher up front shares the gospel with them, they raise their hand and say, hey, I want to become one of those. That's very rare. We have baptismal testimonies when some people uh, <clears throat> cross that line and we baptize them, become a part of the God's church community. And when they share, they don't talk about, Claudia, your, your voice is amazing, but that's not why they became a Jesus follower, right? They don't talk about me. Pastor, you know, you're just so fantastic, that's why I became a Jesus follower. They don't talk about me. What do they talk about? the people that they've done life together with, the people that have interacted with them. That's where transformation happens. So in this case, in the book of Acts, it says, and every day the Lord added to their fellowship those being saved. So people discover God, people come back to God much more easily, much more quickly in group life than they do sitting in rows. Now again, I love rows. Uh, it happens here in rows. We wouldn't do this. 
but it happens better in circles. So, one other thing. In circles, the world sees us live out the one another's out of the Bible, out of the New Testament. I don't know if you knew this, but the phrase one another shows up about 59 times in the New Testament. 59 times. Not 59 different words, but it shows up 59 times. Um, Jesus said this significantly. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So how do people that aren't Jesus followers figure this out? Say, hey, those, those folks are Jesus followers. By their love for one another. Uh, that's different than most people. I'll share kind of an interesting story with you. <laughs> this goes back a few years. Uh, <clears throat> pastor Juan Carlos Ortiz was the pastor of one of the biggest churches in South America. And he was in the States talking about his church work. <clears throat> and uh, he was saying, most of us pastor types spend lots of time in prayer and study during the week to figure out what we should tell, talk about on Sunday morning, correct? And so <clears throat> he uh, gets up one Sunday morning, comes to church on Sunday morning. It was a Pentecostal church, so it was pretty lively and, and so forth. And worship with music time was over. And so people are excited, prepared, ready to listen to what Pastor Ortiz has to share with them. And he felt, you know, he was going to share what God had given to him. He had his chair up, on the, up, up here. So he, walking from his chair to the podium or the pulpit, about halfway there, he started to hear this voice in his head, not audible, but his voice in his head, um, uh, Juan. He heard the word, word, his name, Juan. And he said, yes, Lord. <laughs> he assumed it was God talking to him. He said, how many times have you talked on this subject? Uh, love one another. And he's saying in his head again, uh, probably a dozen times. And then he heard this voice in his head say this, and how much good did it do? And so then he got frozen. And so by the time he got to, the, to where he was going to speak, he, he didn't have anything to say. He didn't know what to say. He knew he wasn't supposed to say what he had planned to say. So he just stood there for a while. A little uncomfortable. Finally he said, love one another. And then he went and sat down. Well, a couple of odd things. Have you ever been to a church service where the preacher said that and sat down? The other thing, all churches, especially Pentecostal churches, I'm sure, um, we don't like silence. So, love one another, the preacher sits down, and it's quiet. No music, no talking, nothing. So, after a little while, <laughs> he gets back up, walks up to the podium, and he says, love one another. He goes and sits back down. At this point, the people are scratching their head, looking around, saying, what's going on? Has the pastor lost his mind? <laughs> we came here to hear a message from God, and that's all he's going to say. But finally, the third time he gets up, walks up there. He's looking at this congregation of people. Some of them he's led to the Lord. Others he's counseled and helped in, through difficult times. And he said a little more forcefully the third time, love one another. He went and sat down. So somebody stands up and says, I think I know what the pastor's talking about. That folks in front of me, I, I don't know them. I don't know their name. How can I love them? 
Let me introduce myself to you. Somebody else got up and said, I think I know what Pastor Ortiz is talking about. He said, you know, I forget his name, three rows behind me. I've had a grudge against him for years. So he goes back to this guy and says, I'm sorry, apologizes, will you forgive me? And the relationship was restored. And he said after that, it just started to break out all over, over the room. And some couple had come to the city with their sick child for medical help and had no money for a bus ride home. And somebody in the congregation gave him bus money, money home. Another person needed a job. Somebody else said, hey, I, I think I got a job for you. He said it was the most fantastic worship experience he's ever part of. Didn't happen in rows. It happened relationally in circles. That's what Pastor Ortiz's church learned that day. And he said that church was never the same after that. So quickly, let's look at some of these one another's from Scripture. Love shows up the most, not surprisingly, right? Ten or twelve times. Love one another, love one another, love one another. Greet shows up quite a bit uh, because Paul would start some of his letters uh, with, with that word, greet. But the fascinating thing to me, and we talked about this last week, the word that shows up the most after that is encourage one another. These are some other words, build up, um, etc., one another. That's huge. That you and I spend time encouraging one another. Of course, the list goes on. Serve one another. Be patient with one another. Kind to one another. Compassionate. Submit to one another. Give to one another. Teach one another. Counsel one another. Agree with one another. Comfort one another. Be devoted to one another. This goes on. Honor one another. Live in harmony. Biggie, right there. Live in harmony with one another. Pray for one another. Accept one another. Confess your sins to one another. Something we don't do very often. But that's one of those one another's. Carry each other's burdens. Offer hospitality to one another. Have fellowship with one another. Humility toward one another. Equal concern for one another. Some don'ts. Don't grumble against one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't slander one another. Simple question. What's the best way to do that? In circles or in rows? How much of that actually happens on Sunday morning, do you think? Not a lot. Happens into my group. Now, I don't want to give you a false impression, so let me be honest here. Group life is messy. You know why group life is messy? Because we're messy. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> right? So it's going to be messy. It's not all going to be, you know, jumping up and down and high-fiving. Life is messy. Group life's going to be messy. Secondly, group life can be confusing. Confusing why people do things they do. Confusing how they react to different things. Uh, confusing what they believe, what they say. can be confusing. And definitely group life is draining. Time, energy, obviously. Requires massive doses of grace and mercy and patience. But let me say this to you. Group life is just more fun. Wouldn't you rather be in a, in a, in a, in a group where you get to input rather than just sitting here and listen to me input? Think about this illustration. 
Sure, we've all been to a stadium football game, some kind of game, and a close game, and your team wins, and everybody's cheering and high-fiving and everything. It's fantastic, right? Now imagine the same scenario with you're the only person in the audience. It's not the same. There's something missing. Life is richer when we share life together. So, here's my challenge, just like last week. (laughs) Hasn't changed. Join a circle. Join a group. You need people, and people need you. Sometimes people think they don't need other people. That's not true. And sometimes we don't think people need us. That's not true either. You need people, and people need you. Um, Tell you where we're going in the next five weeks. This is really big. This is something new for us. We're going to do something called For Our City. Uh, Some churches in Hagerstown are doing that, and of course they're for Hagerstown. We're going to be for Smithsburg. And uh, how can we be a a church or a church or the church for the people of Smithsburg? So I'm going to pray. Pastor Clint's going to come up and and say a word about groups, and then we'll have a song let you go. All right? Let's pray. Ah, Father God, just like the PBS folks figured out (laughs) life is better together, Um, you told us that. Uh, We should know that. Unfortunately, it's so easy not to do it together on Sunday morning. We sit in these rows. Uh, We know this is is worship and this is, you know, honoring to you and meaningful. But most of this one another stuff we just don't do on Sunday morning or doesn't do it very well. And that's how this this world knows that we're your disciples. So God, all these folks have different lives, different perspective, different, come from different backgrounds, different age groups, etc. Some single, some married, etc. But God, we just pray that we'd first and foremost decide, yes, life is better connected. Life is better in circles. Then figure out the details. Figure out when a group can meet, I can meet with a group, or a group type of group I'd like to be in. So God, just do your work in our hearts and minds this morning. Uh, we all have pushbacks. I, I, I don't have time. Group life's a couple hours a week. Uh, we think nothing about going shopping for a couple hours or watching a game for a couple hours. And none of these things are as important as being your people, your church, your hands and feet. So God, just give us the, the desire <laughs> and give us the opportunity. Those of us in leadership, help us to put those groups together, help those folks connect. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.